0: Good morning. You guys can have a seat. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Melissa. I serve here as the executive pastor and I'm excited to be with you. Ronnie, I'm excited that you're back. I've missed you. <laughs> I always know when Ronnie's in the room, I can hear his voice from anywhere, and I appreciate it. So, um, hey, I'm excited to be with you. If you're a guest with us, I just want to say welcome. Um, I know it can be kind of nerve-wracking walking into a new place. So thank you for being brave and visiting with us, and we would love to connect with you. We have really simple, contactless ways of letting us know you came. You can text welcome to 817-755-1668, and you'll connect with our pastoral staff, and we'll help you just on your journey here, kind of figuring out who we are as the table, and we have a gift for you as you as you leave. So thanks again for being here, and everyone watching online. Thank you for, for tuning in, and in the um, as uh, you are watching, you can email us or text us as well, and we'd be happy to connect with you guys who are joining us remotely. But we are continuing with our series Enough, and over the last few weeks, we've been examining the life of Jesus and the last moments of Jesus and kind of looking at what impact that has on us, on our lives, our spiritual growth. and. Um, la- one of the things that this series has done for me is kind of reopened my eyes to how big our God is. Last week we had a bilingual service, our first bilingual service, and we've never done that before. We really didn't know how it would go. We all lived. It was great. It was awesome. No, but it was really beautiful um, with uh, Lugar de L, our Spanish partners, and um, you know, it. There's logistics and all the things and. You know, But when we were talking and kind of reflecting as a staff, one of the things that was brought up was like, man, how, how big is our God? That the same God that, that speaks to me, that I hear from, that I read, that I worship is the same God that Javier worships and hears from, the same words, the same heart. Um, it's just really beautiful, and and we were discussing this, and he just draws us in and speaks to the native language of our hearts. That's who God is, and that service helped remind me of that, and in a world, I think, that really wants us to be divided, especially in the church, where he wants us, the world wants us to be us versus them, we got to celebrate our commonality that binds us, which is Jesus, and that's what was so beautiful about that service. And and there were things that maybe someone didn't understand in different languages and things like that. And maybe it was a little uncomfortable or we were, you know, a little unsure or whatever it was, but it was just really beautiful to watch Tony Maria worshiping and Cody and Miranda worshiping and and they were different language, but it was like the same heart beating through that message. It was a, such an awesome reminder that the same God that saved me has saved Javier, has saved partners in Nepal and Panama and around the world and speaks to us uniquely in our own language. And it just just created a desire in me to share with you. I hope that is a prayer of our people here is that every person can hear from God in their own native language. And it's something that resonates with us of, of importance, that we carry that and advocate for that in our communities. It's just awesome. And I've been practicing my Spanish. So estamos, estamos orando por lugar de él. Okay, got it. Yeah, I've been practicing. My daughter's in Spanish and she helped me. So she, I've been practicing. So, but anyways, uh, th- we're going to be praying for Lugar de El and what they're doing through Pastor Javier and Mary Ellis. And, um, but it last week's message and this series has got me really like fired up. And we're looking at Luke 24 today, which is normally an Easter passage. We normally kind of reflect on this passage um, during the Easter season. But I love how fitting this scripture has been in this series, Um, that as we're diving in, looking at that Jesus is enough. Now, I know many of us in here speak fluent Christianese, so we hear Jesus is enough and we just like, amen, and like just move about our day. I didn't grow up in church, so when I hear Jesus is enough, I want to be like, what does that mean? Like, tell me what that actually means. How do I get that? And I wrestle. I wrestle with sometimes these these phrases that we throw out, which I do too. Um, but it kind of can be infuriating. Maybe it's my pride or control or whatever it is. But I'm like, what does that actually mean? Tell me how to get there. Um, and so I always kind of pro- approach when I'm in the Word of God from that place is, Okay, tell me what that means. And if you don't feel that way, I'm sorry. They let me speak today, so you're just gonna have to listen to me ramble on about how I struggle with that. So, um, but Bill has done a really great job of just laying out some things that we do to make us feel like we are enough. So the striving, the accumulation of of stuff, achievements, money, power, positions, um, you know, whatever makes us feel feel good, um, we we tend to are looking to fill that hole, that longing that we have. Um, and that emptiness in there is is actually our longing for a savior. God gave us that longing. And we tend to kind of go, oh, it's not that. It's just like I need better shoes. You know what I mean? Like we we move away from that feeling and we miss that the that the fullness of a relationship with Jesus helps us see truth and why we feel that way. It helps us prioritize things in the right way. Um, our posture, how we move throughout the world is changed in a relationship with Jesus. And we can actually experience a life that is satisfied, that is fulfilled, that is even joyful with Jesus being at the center of that. And so as we dive into Luke 24, uh, we're going to be looking at the reason why Jesus doesn't always seem like enough. And it's not because of him. It's not because of a flaw in this. Um, it's just something that we tend to do that makes us feel that way. And so uh, join me to, in Luke 24, if you guys have um, your physical Bibles, please turn there, uh, it's in the New Testament, if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can go to the UVersion Bible app, events, and then you'll see our church pop up there, and it should be on the screen. So we're going to read through it in its entirety, Luke 1 through 12, and then we're going to kind of come back and chew it up in smaller pieces. So join me in Luke uh, 24, 1 through 12. "'On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, "'they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. "'They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. "'They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. "'While they were perplexed about this, "'suddenly two men stand, stood by them in dazzling clothes. "'So the women were terrified and bound to the ground. "'Why are you looking for the living among the dead?' asked the men. "'He is not here, but he has risen.' Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Excuse me. Returning from the tomb, they reported all of the things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna... Mary, the mother of James, and other women with them. were telling the apostles these things, but these words sounded like nonsense to them. They did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and he stooped to look. He saw only linen cloths, so he went away amazed at what had happened. And so I think the context is important here. They are women that were um, a part of... The life and ministry of Jesus. They had followed Jesus during his ministry. They were radically healed and saved by Jesus. They were brought into this world that um, was really unavailable to them at the time. And so they were with him during ministry. They were at the foot of the cross. They watched their Savior die. And they followed his body to the tomb. And because it was the Sabbath, they couldn't perform these Jewish burial rituals on him. So as soon as the Sabbath was over, they they got these spices and they went to the tomb. And they were worried, how are they going to roll this rock away? And they get there and it was moved. But imagine their journey. given up everything, walked away from their life, stood outside of cultural norms with Jesus for sure. The walk to the tomb that morning, just despair, the heaviness of the circumstances, the reality of the truth that they were facing, that he was dead. What now? And they went anyways, and they showed up, and the stone was moved, and I love scripture says they were perplexed. (laughs) And then two men, which we know from other texts in scripture that these were angels, And they were terrified. Now, these aren't the little angels that wear the diapers and carry the, you know what I mean? Like, every time we see angels in Scripture, people are terrified. Terrified to the point they just put their faces down. Okay, so there's something awe-inspiring, majestic, intimidating, to say the least, about these guys. Not little angels in diapers, right? So, like, they fell to the ground. And I love this, what they ask here in verse 5. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. Hear what they're saying. They're saying Jesus is alive. Why are you here? Why are you here? And then they said, He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. It is necessary for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men be crucified and rise on the third day. And then verse 8. And they remembered his words. See, Jesus told them. We see multiple times in Luke Jesus telling them exactly what was going to happen. They knew the prophecy of the Old Testament, what would happen. And yet they forgot. They were literally with him. He, I'm sounding like my teenage daughter, literally looked at them and told them what he was literally going to do. And they forgot. They let despair of the circumstances take, take over them. They were witnesses to his life, his miracles, his power, his goodness firsthand. And they have to be told to remember. So what does that say about us? I mean, because we, we, f- we find ourselves here, right? The reality that we live in sync, just as in front of us. Circumstances weigh heavy on us. We have, we have trials. We have pain. We have issues in our, in our homes, our families, our finances, the, the world, just what's happening um, around us. And, and we just just feel like we just can't. And everything in front of us just makes us feel like we can't. And what we do is we forget who can Because the circumstances are so heavy. And I think when I talked about the things that we do that make us feel like Jesus is not enough. Not because it's a fault of his or an error in the word. It is because we forget. We forget. We get busy. We get overwhelmed. We get distracted, whatever it is. And we forget who God is, who Jesus is, what he did what he will continue to do, and who he calls us to be. And I think there are things that we have to remember and have to keep in front of us to ensure that we understand that Jesus is enough to give us fulfillment, peace, joy, satisfaction, patience. All of these things are the fruit of his spirit. So the first thing that we have to remember is we have to remember the cross. So that's kind of like, okay, but we we can't look at it as decoration or symbolism. We have to remember what it actually was. It was an instrument of death and torture, horrible death and torture. And, and focusing on the cross, it helps us worship a God who in the same breath is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, perfect, is also humble and a servant. And a sacrifice in the same in the same breath. The cross forces us to confront the seriousness of our own lives, our own sin patterns, our own sin, and our absolute inability to save ourselves from it. We have tried. Um, we get so used to the normal normalcy of sin. Like, we're so used to the little things. We're so used to it being around us all the time. We don't realize how sick we are with sin, how sick I am with it. Uh, Fleming Rutledge said, why did the Son of God die in the worst possible way? Why crucifixion and not another way? Because it corresponds to the depth of depravity caused by our rebellion against God. It shows us how bad things really are with us. We must remember the cross was intended for us, too. So the cross, that death, is a reminder of what was done for us. And why? So we can spend eternity free, whole, forever. So we must remember the cross. We must remember the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is why we are sitting in this room. If it did not happen, we would not be here. We sit in this building. We, we live the way that we live. The world looks radically different because Jesus was resurrected. It changed everything. The final say in life and death was there. We know who has the power of that. We know how the story ends. I stand here a changed person because of the resurrection. Without it, many of us would just hear about a guy who maybe died on a cross in our Roman history classes. It, we would not exist in the way that we do. And, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin and we would be pitied more than all, pitied more than all men. See, Paul drew the direct connection between the resurrection and the sufficiency of Jesus' death to pay for our sins. And as a result of Christ's resurrection, we will also experience death to life. Here on earth, we pursue the mission of Jesus by making much of him, by bringing up disciples. And then our earthly death is a celebration into this new eternal life. The resurrection changes everything. It is not just an Easter celebration. It's an everyday reminder of what was done for us and promises fulfilled. And so as we remember the cross and as we remember the resurrection, we also have to remember his promises God's promises are right here. And we'll and we listen to God's word and, and we'll read our Bibles or we'll read devotionals or we'll re- pray, but then life hits and we just get waylaid by what's happening in our lives. And we just... You know, it's tragedy, it's pain, it's chaos, it's stress, it's all these things. And, and we start running in whatever direction we feel like we need to to make ourselves feel better or to fix it or whatever. And here's the thing with our feelings. God-given, yes, but our sin, our pride, our arrogance, our selfishness, our, what we idolize, what we input, what we value sway our feelings. And we have to run our feelings up against the unchanging word of God because in our own flesh, we're a hot mess. But what does the word of God say about God's character? And what does God's character say about how I'm feeling? And what I do with those feelings? We forget that God has fulfilled his promises to us. will continue to fulfill those promises. And as we remember promises, we must remember the resurrection is a fulfillment of a promise that God will make a way for us, that he will send a Savior. We have to remember God's promises. So when we're thinking about the things we have to remember, okay, cr- the cross, the resurrection, the promises, yes, how do I do that? I don't want to be like those people. They were literally with him, and they forgot. So how do I do that? And I always go back to that whenever I'm studying scripture. It's like, okay, what is this telling me about God? Okay, now how do I actually apply this to my life? How do I actually do this? I don't want to be the one that's like, you know. But what happens is when life hits us, you know, we have fight, flight, or freeze, right? And so we've, we've learned all these things, right? We've learned all these ways to, you know, to handle ourselves in emergencies or whatever, right? Like, I'll tell you, I thought, like, as a parent, I was going to be, like, cool, calm, and collected. I don't know why I thought that. But I did. I don't know. Was, I didn't have kids yet. So. But, like, I saw, like, gruesome injuries, like, playing and, like, been in, you know, so hard stuff. So I just thought I was going to be calm, cool, and collected. I'm going to remember everything I've learned. And so when something bad happens, I'm going to be able to handle it. So when Ryan, my daughter, was probably about six, we were about to go on a long trip with her, my son, and my nephew, who's the same age as my son. They're three weeks, four weeks apart. And they were, like, three at the time. So I hired a babysitter to come and hang out with the kids so I could get the house ready, get us packed up. We were going to go for a long way, and she took them down to the park. Well, my daughter, who is six at the time, decides I don't want to wait for my annoying little brother and my annoying little cousin. So my six-year-old decides to walk a mile just through our neighborhood back to our house by herself. So I call the babysitter. Hey, how's it going? You guys aren't home yet. Oh, yeah, I can't find Ryan. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, hide and seek? Like, what are we doing? No, I literally can't find her. We're walking around trying to find her. If you've ever lost a game, it just starts welling up, right? I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I get in the car. I drive over there. No Ryan. And I am like, oh, my gosh. We drive all around. I look all around. Cannot find her. Neighbors are out looking. Cannot find this kid at all. So I call 911, the calm, cool, collected mom. The operator's like, okay, how can I help you? My daughter, she's going, okay, what does she look like? I don't know. What is she wearing? I don't know. What color is her hair? I think it's blonde. I don't even know. I'm just she's busy. Like, I'm just driving around yelling her name out the window. Literally cannot keep it together. It was, it was like everything that I thought I would do, as soon as I was faced with a reality, just went bloop, like out of my head. And I'm just screaming, driving around in my car. She ended up fine. Home, I asked her, Ryan, weren't you scared? No, Mom, God's always with me. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay, like <sighs> <sighs> Okay, we have a lot to talk about. So like I had to take a minute, but it was you know, but it was like it was just like that fight, flight, or freeze, and we forget what we know. We forget what we know, and it happens to us all the time. We forget that we 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 know these things about God, but I think I think we just take our focus off of the cross. We take our focus off of the resurrection. We take our focus off of the promises. And and other things and other circumstances and other inputs begin to shape our thoughts, our beliefs, our behaviors. And the lies become louder than truth. And we forget who we belong to. who, Who he is. What has been done for us. And I think a lot of times, we don't do this intentionally, but a lot of times people say, yeah, I believe all that, but like not for me. And and we think that we've just gone so far that it doesn't matter how enough Jesus is, it's not going to be enough for me. And because we don't believe that for ourselves, we actually don't live that out. And I wouldn't say, I think most of us wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, I believe it, but like not for me. I don't think we would say that a lot We're like most of us are Southern and polite enough not to say that about Jesus, you know. But like we, we function like that. Like I want all the grace and mercy and love for you, but I don't really believe that it's for me because I know all the things about me. And so I try to like sit in my own mess and get to a baseline where maybe, maybe I'll be good enough at one point for Jesus, and he might have a soft heart, say, all right, come on. So saying that we believe in Jesus, and Jesus is enough, and actually believing all of that and living it out are two very different things. It's because we forget. So how do we, how do we remind ourselves that Jesus is enough, even in spite of everything that we have done, he is still enough to love you? to save you, to call you child. And I think we have to have a plan in place. I have to have a plan. am like, okay, what do you want me to do? I have to have a plan because like when life hits, you know, I don't even know what my kid looks like. So, you know, it's like we have to have a plan on how we combat this stuff, okay? I think we ha- look at it in verses seven and eight. It is necessary for the son of man this is what he said while he was in Galilee, sorry, 6 of 8. He said when he was still in Galilee, it's necessary for some man to be betrayed to the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day, and they remembered his words. To remember his words, something someone spoke to you that had to make an impression. Do you guys ever remember something weird that you just shouldn't remember? 3rd grade. Miss Krause taught me the B verbs. are, is as is- well. Have it had to just dis- in B be- been- Shall we which- be made my mouth can could. I have no idea how to use a B verb, but I know what they are because it made an impression. I don't know why, but I remember that. And, and we have to be in his word to remember his word, and it has to make an impression on us. So to remember, we have to actually be with him. We have to sit with him. We have to pray. We have to have conversations. We have to cry out. We have to be present in moments. We have to be looking around and seeing how big God is, how amazing he is, how divine he is. And y'all, we have to read our Bibles. We have to read our Bibles. I hear so many times that people say, I don't like to read. It is a non-negotiable as a Christian. You have to read your Bible or you won't know who he is. It's so, so essential. We have to ingest and feed in God's word the same, with the same consistency we do to keep ourselves alive. We have to look at it in the same and treat it the same way. We can't remember what we don't know. We can't remember what doesn't make an impression on our hearts. To grow in our understanding and relationship with Jesus, we have to spend time in God's word. It changes Everything. When the doubt floods in, God's word helps us remember. Listen, you don't have to be a, memorize the entire Bible, but man, we have to at least know what's in there and what's not in there. It rem- helps us remember God's character, Jesus' character, his life, his promise is essential to our lives. We cannot combat the lies that we hear and tell ourselves unless we know the truth. We cannot combat that. The lies of sin, of shame, of regret, of trauma, of insecurity, uncertainty, pride, w- causes us all to fall away and forget who God is. Like, we're too far gone for God. Like, I'm the one that's going to figure out how to m- make God not God. And I, I get this. And, like, I... I believe, is so deeply about shame. This is how Satan uses shame. Shame reminds us or tries to tell us that we are only as good as our worst moment. So your worst moment, you're only that good. That's what the lies tell us. And and in my own life, I've had to have like a significant evolution of my faith to understand this. I had to really come through some significant roadblocks. Roadblocks I still struggle with today. To believe that I am actually loved and valued and worthy of being saved by Jesus. Seen by Jesus. Desired to be in a relationship with Jesus. And I was created on purpose, for a purpose, not because I'm doing anything right. It's because of, in spite of everything I've done wrong, because of Jesus. Jesus. And I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. Church, faith were not a part of my life growing up, ever. Maybe a handful of times my grandmother would come into town or whatever. When I finally walked, stumbled into a church as a young adult, I mean, I was filled to the brim with pain, with shame, with regret. My marriage was on the brink of divorce. Um, I had so much sin and trauma and bondage um, when I finally fell into a seat at a church. And then I just sat there with a big don't talk to me sign on my head because I was mad about being there, but then I started to hear the word of God. Now I had experience with Christians, but I began to hear the word of God and something began to happen inside of me in spite of my best efforts to not let it happen. And I grew, I grew to know the Lord. And I began to believe in his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the reasons why. And I believe that my acceptance of Christ at that time in my life was sincere. Was very sincere. I believed what he did for me. But I didn't actually believe I was forgiven. Because I had I had interactions with what people thought God was. And I, I knew this opinion about God from Christians. But I just thought, I'll oh, just get busy doing godly work. So I was living the same life, just busy doing godly things for acceptance, busy doing godly things, so good things, so I could feel accepted, so maybe I'll get to go to heaven. And I didn't know God's word. I was just guessing at what a Christian walk looks like. I didn't actually know what it looked like because I was taking other people's opinion about God as a gospel truth for my own life. And shame had, had locked me up even after I, I came into a relationship with Jesus. And we all have things in our past. We all have things that we've done, thought, whatever. I just thought mine was the worst. I'm not ever coming back from that. I have an abortion in my past, and um, I remember um, Christians. They were protesting outside of the clinic, screaming at me, spitting on me. I remember what that felt like. I remember what they thought of me. And I just believe that's what God thought of me, too. Then I had a lady come alongside me, kind of saw me stuck. Kind of saw me running this rat race of doing godly things, trying to earn acceptance. And actually encouraged me to read God's word for myself. Because I was taking what I thought Christian's opinions of me were as the truth of God. And so she saw me stuck. Instead of, me giving, her, instead of giving me her opinion, she gave me God's word. Gave me, said, hey, let's open here. And she pointed me to 1 John 1.9. If you confess our sins, he is faithful and just and and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you ever sat with me and talked to me about sin, this is what I say this verse all the time. I was like, okay, I was at this crossroads because I was stuck in my journey. I was at a crossroads in my life. The pattern and the pull of my past were very strong because I believed the lie. I was only as good as my worst moment. And I wasn't actively fighting that pull. I wasn't arming myself with truth. I wasn't praying. I wasn't asking, asking. I wasn't listening. I was, I was sitting there trying to get faith by osmosis because I was just close to Christians. I wasn't active in understanding who God was. And that's not how it works. When, when I was, came to a moment of faith, y'all, this is how, like, I, I did not know what it meant to believe in Jesus How to accept Jesus. I I had no idea. So I just Googled it. And what else do you do when you don't know stuff, right? (sighs) I dropped down in front of my computer. I read a prayer off a screen. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is going to change my life. And I opened my eyes and I'm in the same house with the same pile of laundry, the same kids, same husband, same job. Like nothing changed. I still had these circumstances I had to deal with. But what I came to realize through understanding God's word, being in God's word, is that it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay, but you are not gonna stay that way. God does not want us to stay that way. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes, let's go get busy about it. We're gonna not not just stay not okay. And if I believe this, if I actually believe this in that moment, I have to believe that this 1 John 1.9 is for me, that he forgives me. And that is a tough one because here's the thing. I had to decide to believe that regardless of what other people believed about me and believed about what I deserved. Other people's opinions of God were causing me not to look for the truth of God. I have to go to this verse often when I forget because the world gets loud. People are judgmental. Christians, we're like the worst Sometimes. And shame is a constant battle that thrives in that noise. Thrives in that noise. But going to God's word helps me remember who God is and who he calls me to be when I forget. To know God's character is to also understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we are equipped we become equipped to discern if what I'm feeling and hearing is God or myself. We can run it up through his word. Does this match his character? So instead of reaching for whatever makes us distracted, whatever gets our minds off of our shame, whatever it is, relationships, food, shopping, alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is, we, do, we have things, gossip, we have lots of things that help us check out, And stop addressing our shame and our sin. We have to reach for God's word. And I remember what's been done for me, what's been promised to me. It reminds me daily that God has restored me into a new life. He is equipping me, not because of something I can do, but in spite of everything that I've done, because of who he is and the promises that he has fulfilled. God's word is how we remember. God's Word teaches us to seek God's will, comfort, find comfort, fulfillment through the Holy Spirit, how to confess our sins. Man, to say our sins out loud, to confess them, God knows, but he wants us to know. To find a realization that I am worthy of salvation, eternity, hope, mercy, grace, life. I am worthy of love. I am worthy of children. I am worthy of peace. And I was just thinking about the freedom that is found in God's word. And I just kept going back to triumphant. But it's like triumphant as you like end the game or run the marathon. And you finally come across the line and you are so wrung out. You are triumphant, but you are doing it from your knees. That's the freedom in God's word. Triumphant. And to remember Jesus' work on the cross is enough. We also must remember that God works through people. Our faith journeys are not to be walked alone. We need people we can confess to. We need people who can say hard things to us. We need people who will point us to truth, who will pray for us. Sometimes who will put us in our place. I see Lisa in here. Lisa does that for me. Love Lisa. Um, but she says hard things to me. Someone I can study with. Someone I can talk to Jesus about. To combat lies with. And here's the thing. We think of this like, oh, I need a bestie. Okay, maybe. I don't think that's it. If they are your best friend, that's awesome. Hang on to that. But our commonality is Jesus. That's what binds us together. So you don't have to be besties going on girls trips, dudes trips, whatever. We just need to talk about Jesus. That's what vast majority of us need in our life. Someone to just talk about Jesus with. And to help us fall more in love with Jesus. And then now you become someone who is called to help someone fall in love with Jesus. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar or a pastor or a Christian from the womb to be able to do this. You just have to love Jesus and you got to be in his word. And every Jesus relationship I am in reminds me that no one will care more about my spiritual growth than me. And it must be something that I pursue and I get out of my comfort zone and I step into I own, I prioritize. That's what every relationship shows me. Because people are flaky, flighty. We have a hard time connecting. But I know that people will be praying for me if I have these Jesus relationships in my my life that I can go on and I can do this. I can have this relationship on my own. Listen, we deeply care about your spiritual growth. We, here at the table, as staff, we deeply care about your spiritual growth and your walk and your journey. But I cannot desire it more for you than you do. It has to be something that you want. And a life that is not, it's not about coming and consuming and living by osmosis. It's about a life of obedience over and over and over, seeking God's will in our life. And the end goal is for us to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples and have generation of believers coming out of what we are doing. Go time and time again to Scripture, and you see God working through people to impact his kingdom. These women at the tomb were used by God to tell the world. They had no voice in their culture, no place in their culture. Women's testimony was not deemed credible enough to even go to court or to be asked in court. And these women were not even considered a choice in any shape or form, for any position of credibility, yet he uses them. No power, no credibility, no influence, and he uses them to go tell the world. He can use anybody. But we need people to help us with that, equip us, guide us, grow us. So Jesus is enough, doesn't have to be anything weird that we say, doesn't have to be a Christianese term, we can actually have meat to it, we can actually believe that he's bigger than our shame, our sin. We can actually believe that he's bigger than our problems, our insecurity or uncertainty. What's happening and we can f- experience a fulfilled life. We can experience an abundant life in him. We can experience a different life, but we must remember. These women were told to remember. We have to be Mindful and remember of who he is, what he did, and the promises that he made, and and that through him, through him, we are enough to experience eternity. We are enough to experience heaven. I'd like to pray for us this morning as the band comes forward. Father, um, I just, I'm just constantly reflecting about how big you are Lord, that you are bigger than our sin, our shame. The worst thing that we have done, you are bigger than that. You have taken all of that on yourself so that we can experience a new life here on earth as well as in heaven. What a gift. Lord, in in heavy choices and hard choices, Father, I just ask and I pray for every person in this room to be somebody and have somebody that points them back to you, that helps them fall more and more in love with you, and supports them in their journey. Father, we love you. We thank you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.